You are listening to Shining Star Community Church, English Ministries Sunday Message. Please visit us at www.shiningstar.life. For me, as I was kind of thinking about what to talk on, and this is something that has been going on for the past couple months, as I was thinking about what to talk on and what to give my sermon upon, I came upon the passage in Ecclesiastes. I came upon the book of Ecclesiastes, and I immediately skipped over it. The reason why I skipped over Ecclesiastes is because it's actually a really sobering book. It's really sobering. You see, the author of Ecclesiastes, he has these two truths that he continually says on and on, again, on, and on again for 12 chapters straight. It's, he only talks about these two truths. And these two truths are, number one, that life is random. Life is completely random. That good things will happen to bad people and that bad things will happen to good people. That it doesn't matter how faithful you are. It doesn't matter how hard you read the Bible or how hard you pray or how hard you do anything in the church, bad things will still happen to you. But guess what? That person next to you who barely goes to church, he's going to probably win the lottery. Guess what? The person next to you who barely prays, who doesn't even believe in Jesus, you know what? That person will probably get the promotion over you. Life is completely random. The second truth that he tells us is that everyone will die. <laughs> Man, thank goodness I'm not preaching on Love Fest. Am I right? <laughs> everyone will die, right? That everyone, no matter how faithful you are, that no matter how rich you are, that no matter what kind of background you have, you will eventually die. Everyone has an expiration date. And you see, those are the two truths of Ecclesiastes. And that is why I was so eager to pass it by. But as I was praying and as I was thinking, this book... And this passage in particular kept on coming into my mind. And I realized more and more that as I was praying about it, I received peace and assurance that this was exactly the word that I needed to preach today. And that this was exactly the word that we needed to hear today. And so as we go into this new season as a church, I have felt a stronger reminder to tell you that life is short. That we are only here for a moment, and that our life is unpredictable. No one knows what will happen tomorrow. So yeah, those are the two truths of Ecclesiastes. <laughs> that's it. But that's not the end. Thank God, right? That's not the end. Because in the midst of these truths, Solomon writes what is the crux of the book of Ecclesiastes. He writes what is the main point of Ecclesiastes. He says, yes, this life is short, Yes, it's unpredictable, but you are not made for this life. You are made for eternity. Amen. And so, let's read verse 11 together. He has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. You know, I've always had a hard time grasping what eternity really means. You know, whenever I thought about what happens after you die, it would actually make me kind of nauseous. Does anyone else have that? 
And so I would always think about these things because I grew up in the church, and when people talk in the church, they always use the same language. That if you believe in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, if you believe that he died for you, then you will spend eternity in heaven. But if you don't believe those things, then you will spend eternity in hell. You'll either have eternal pleasure or eternal pain. There's only eternity. And so whenever I thought about that, it would just make my head hurt. Because everything in this life has a beginning and an end. Absolutely everything. There's always a beginning and there's always an end. So what does eternity even mean? You see, the word eternity in Hebrew is olam. Can we say that together? Olam. It's a pretty word, right? Olam. And this word olam, it means continual, everlasting, uh, eternal, and always. All those words. That, that's all encompasses in the word olam. And it says that God has put olam into our hearts. That yes, life is short and unpredictable, but you see, God has made you for more. There is a reason you have a longing in your heart for something more than this world can offer, and that is because God has made you for eternity. I don't know if you've ever felt that in your, in your heart, that if, whenever you do something that is not from God, that is not of God, that you feel this peace of your heart that isn't fully satisfied. And there's a reason for that. Because in the Bible, God says that he made that in you so that you will never be satisfied without him. You see, Augustine said this, this is the difference between temporal and eternal things. That something temporal is loved more before it is possessed, but loses its appeal when it comes along. This is because it cannot satisfy the soul whose true and certain abode is eternity. One of the lies of the devil one of the lies of the devil is that he made us believe that we should be obsessed with today. Hey, you only got one life. Hey, you got to live life to the fullest today. You only live once. Hashtag YOLO. Am I right? No? <laughs> That's, that was a few years ago. I'm sorry. <laughs> and so what happens is we end up putting all of our treasure into this little basket that will disappear in a moment. You see, James 4.14 says this. What is your life? but a mist that appears for a little while and then disappears. Our life here is but a second in the span of eternity, and yet we live life and stress about things that have absolutely no eternal consequence. Instead of, instead of storing treasures in heaven, we build our kingdoms made of sand. Did you know that in Matthew 6, it says we can actually store treasure in heaven? that what we do today actually has eternal weight, that the things you do today can actually build for the future. Now, I'm not talking about the future of retirement. I'm talking about the future of eternity. Those things matter to you right now because you are able to store those things up. So the question is, if we were made for eternity, are we living for eternity? The first way to live for eternity is to be joyful. Verse 12 says this, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Being joyful is not a state of mind. It's a spiritual shift from being prideful to being grateful. It's understanding that you don't deserve what you have right now. And so even when things are taken away from you, it's okay because you know that it was God's to begin with. That's why in 1 Thessalonians, when it says, be joyful always, 
Be thankful in all circumstances. That's not saying it is a, it's not a wish. It's not a hope. It's actually a command because it's possible, and you should be doing that. We should be doing that as a church. We can be joyful always when we understand what God has done for us. It's knowing that we're not the main characters of this story called life. When I was back in California in college, I remember I needed some extra money. And so in California at the time, I was in Malibu. And so what I ended up doing was I sent out my resume and my picture to different casting agencies. But it was, for, it was to be uh, like an extra in, in different TV shows. And so what happened was one day they, I got a call back and they said, wait, we have this pilot TV show if you want to come out. And so what happens is you go out there and you go to spend an entire day at a studio. And at that studio, you wait for like five, six hours. And then you film for about five minutes. And then you go home because they, and then you go home with a check. And they give you like a small amount of money. And so that's what happened. I went there. I filmed for five minutes. I waited for five hours. And then I went home. But guess what? When I, I, <laughs> what I made sure to do was I made sure to know exactly when that episode came out. I made sure to know exactly the time, exactly the NBC or ABC or what broadcasting channel it was, and I made sure that there was, I had no other appointments in that time slot. I have never watched a TV show so, so focused before in my life, but at the same time, I have never re not remembered an entire episode before. I don't remember, I don't remember what the TV show was called, to be honest. But I do remember exactly the moment I came out. <laughs> because I came out in one-tenth, I think about, it was, I think, one second. I came out in about one second of that TV show. It was a 20-minute TV, TV episode, and I came out for about one-tenth of a second, I'm pretty sure. But I remember that. And you know what I ended up doing? Is I found it online, I made sure to edit it, and I sent it to my family. Because I was so <laughs> proud. Right? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> but let me ask you guys, whenever we travel, what do we always do? We take pictures. We always take pictures. And a lot of these pictures we take are in front of the most beautiful places the world has to offer. But I guarantee you that when we look at these pictures, we're not looking at the vastness of the Grand Canyon or the beauty of the Pantheon, or any number of these things, we're looking to see if we blinked, right? We're looking to see how we came out. And I guarantee you that when we zoom into these pictures, we're not looking at the architecture. We're looking at ourselves. So how ridiculous is it that even in the greatness in front of us, we are able to make it about ourselves? How ridiculous is it that in a 20-minute episode, I would only focus on the 10th of a second that I come out. And yet, this is how we treat God in our lives. This is why it's so difficult for us to be joyful always. For us to be grateful in all circumstances. Because the more the story is about us, the less it's going to be about God. And we will never realize what God has done for us if we continue to make life all about us. You see, you guys, we don't deserve grace, and yet we have it. We don't deserve God's love, but he gives it to us. How wonderful is it that God had already thought of us from the very beginning of time, that he knit us in 
our mother's womb, that he knows every single hair on your head, that he is desperately in love with you, that he is not the father who has neglected you, that he is not the man who has abused you. All over the internet, I think these past few weeks, there has been a Me Too campaign status update. And it is really shocking to see just how many of our friends had to go through sexual abuse. And it's staggering to see just how many people had to experience that. But you see, our God is a good father. He is. And it's only in our gratefulness that we will understand that. It's only in our thankfulness that we will see our need for him. You see, you'll never understand what God has truly done for you until you realize how low you really were. And you'll never understand the depths of God's love for you until you realize how far away, away you were from it. Everything is God's, and it's simply through grace that we are here today. You see, the money that we earn even is not our own. The possessions we have are not our own. It's all borrowed from God. And so we give because God has given everything to us. The way to live for eternity is to be joyful. The second way to live for eternity is to fear God. Verse 14 says this, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. If we were made for eternity, our fear of God must be greater than our fear of everything else. But you see, I think our fear and our definition of fear has become slightly warped. In Philippians 2, it says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. It says that we should fear God because he is working to keep us. In other words, in this spiritual realm of angels and demons, of Satan constantly tempting you, our fear comes from knowing that God has been and will continue to be for you and not against you. And through that knowledge, we have an understanding of how good God is to us. Our fear of God is knowing that the one who has all the power is still willing to do whatever it takes to protect protect us. The trembling that knowledge should elicit is actually the same type of trembling, I believe, that the three hyenas felt in Lion King. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Is this a little too much? <laughs> do, you guys know what do you guys know the scene? It goes, you know, like, uh, what is it? Oh, I don't say his name. Mufasa, right? Oh, Mufasa. Oh, don't. Let's say it again. Mufasa, 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 right? <laughs> Sorry. But you see, our God He is the lion. He is the lion of Judah. He is the lion of Israel. He is the king of this jungle. And the Bible says that he will tear down everything that stands between you and him. He is for you, fighting against the enemy for your soul. So maybe the name Mufasa may not have very much meaning to you, but the name of Jesus Christ brings shuddering and trembling down to the depths of hell. And it is through that understanding that we shudder at his name, Jesus Christ. Amen? I talked about how being joyful is a spiritual shift from pride to gratefulness. 
The fear of God is a spiritual shift in commitments. We want to change for the better, and our fear of God should be greater than our fear of everything else. We know the answer. We know the answer. And yet, many times we can't act upon it. I know that to live for eternity is to fear God, but why can't I live that way? So according to Robert Keegan and Lisa Leahy in their book, Immunity to Change, they say this. Can you change the slide? Resistance to change does not reflect opposition, nor is it merely a result of inertia. Instead, even as they hold a sincere commitment to change, many people are unwittingly applying productive energy toward a hidden competing commitment. What that means is that it's not that we don't want to change. We know the answer. We know what's right. But there is a different commitment in our lives that holds more importance. And a lot of times that commitment is hidden even from ourselves. We all have competing commitments that stop us from living a life meant for eternity. In Matthew 19, Jesus tells a parable of a man unwilling to give up his possessions in order to follow him. You see, it's easy to know what the other commitment was. It was money. But other times it's not going to be as obvious. In Luke 9.59, Jesus tells a man to follow him. But the man says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus rebukes him and tells him to leave the dead alone. The commitment that leads you away from God may not be a black or white issue. It sometimes just becomes a matter of priorities. And it becomes a matter of priorities between two good things. For a lot of us, we don't realize that we have a hidden commitment that is greater than our fear of God. And so my question for you guys is, have our families maybe become greater than our fear of God? Have our, has the fear of rejection come before our hope for others' salvation? You see, these are uncomfortable truths, but these are truths that we have to keep in mind. And you see, they're hidden for a reason because we're not willing to face them. And so my question is, what is your hidden commitment? You see, in the early 1900s, there was this revival that swept through the nation of Korea. And it actually began in Pyongyang, which is the modern-day capital of North Korea. And it was actually from the Pyongyang revival that the nation of Korea was completely transformed, that it became, that it was from a Buddhist and Confucianist background to becoming almost 90% Christian. And the way the revival began was actually very, very simple. They gathered in abandoned buildings all over the city, and one by one they would begin to stand up and confess their sins. It was in this act of complete vulnerability that God was able to change Korea. You see, the only reason you can be vulnerable, the only reason you can stand in front of others and show your weakness is because you know that today is not the end. You know that today is not the last page of the story. You know that you have eternity to work towards. That you were meant for more than this. That your fear of God is greater than your fear for anything else. And that, you're great, and that you're just grateful for what he has done for you. I guarantee you that if you understand that you are, if you, if you understand that you are meant for eternity, and if we begin to live for eternity, 
our church will be radically transformed. Amen? Let's pray. God, I just want to thank you for today. I thank you for just bringing us here today, for letting us understand what it means to have a heart for eternity, for knowing what it means to be a part of eternity. Lord, we are not meant for this life. We are not meant for just this moment in time. But God, you have placed something so much greater in our hearts. And so God, I pray that we would understand that. We would understand what you have done. And I pray that we would begin to live towards that hope. We would begin to live towards something greater than, we, than something that we can accomplish in this lifetime. So God, we just want to thank you. And we give you all the praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray.